Hi and welcome to my podcast. This is season five, episode thirty-seven, and uh, I just want to introduce someone here called Martin. He's going to introduce himself, and then we're going to get straight into the questions. Hi, Martin. Would you like to introduce yourself to the podcast? Hi, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Martin Ballard, and yeah, I've been a broadcaster with the BBC for thirty-seven years. Uh, you've seen me in Panto. I've been an actor for thirty-one seasons of Panto. Um, all sorts of other things. Leicestershire born and bred. Very proud of it, and it's great to be on the podcast. Thank you for asking me. Right. Um, I'll ask you first question. Uh, what made you pick radio as a job, and how long? have you done it for and what do you enjoy about it okay well the first thing is and this is so often the case with life and careers I didn't really pick radio I I mean it it almost picked me so I was um, a drama student really a performing arts graduate and I was looking for a career in the theatre as an actor and I did that for a little while But my problem, Adam, was that when I was 20 years old, I looked 50 because I lost my hair at a really young age. It was really difficult to get parts because I didn't look the age that I was. And, you know, theatre, it works in the way that if you want somebody for a part who is 50 years old, you'll get somebody of that age rather than somebody who's 20 who looks 50. That's the easy way to explain it. So somebody suggested to me that I should try radio drama because at the end of the day on radio it doesn't really matter what you look like so I did and then uh, through actor friends um, people at Pebble Mill Studios that were the home of radio drama for the BBC back then we talk about the 1980s now um, they suggested that I contacted a man called Roger Eames who was a former Radio 2 producer Um, about doing some continuity work and continuity work is announcing in between programs on radio or television Mm -hmm. and Roger Eames was then the program organiser at BBC Radio Leicester I had a meeting with him got some training and got offered some continuity work just announcing in between programs eventually then started to get my own programs and settled into it I've always been a big fan of listening to radio I've always been a big fan of music and so it was almost meant to be so I fell into it really I never planned it and so it must have worked because like I said I I left during Covid after 37 years with the BBC working in Leeds, Nottingham, Derby and London and Leicester yeah so it, it must have worked out 37 years is a long time it's a very long time but you did well to be doing it yeah, so. I enjoyed it and I, I still enjoy it and I wouldn't say no to doing it again but I just thought I needed a, a, a change really yeah um, it's good that you've tried it and you, you went to, and you may go back and you may not but mm. at least you, you you did it and you got it's a long time to have done radio it was I, I, what I loved about it as well was rather like you do in this podcast meeting so many different people and meeting so many heroes of mine you know lots of famous name guests over 37 years you know there are lots of standout ones famous names of of days gone by like people like Danny LaRue who I always looked up to in a panto sense Um, Michael Crawford uh, famous Americans Michael Bolton Nancy Sinatra Donny Osmond the list 
is just end this. I've looked back on some of the archives recently for a YouTube channel that I've set up. Yeah. I'm staggered by the, the amount of interviews I did over that period of time, to be honest, and I'd forgotten about so many of them. And that's, that was the real joy. That's what I liked about it most, was meeting people, but not just the famous people, real people, local people as well, you know, telling their stories about their life, you know, the things that they've been able to do and so on. And I think that's one of the joys, and I'm sure that's one of the things you enjoy about doing yours. Yeah, it's, it's getting to meet people that... Um, when it, people have different lives, don't they? But it's when you get to meet people, you, you think, oh, well, uh, I've followed you for years, but like yourself, and you think, oh, I'll, I'll never meet them because it's far too busy and they only stick with the, the people that they're with. But then when you get to meet them and get to find out about them, it's so interesting. Yeah. And that's what I love about doing my podcast, that it's different from a charity stuff I do, my charity Bright Rise, which I'll probably tell you in a bit about. But... Uh, it's a way of interacting with people that you wouldn't normally get to meet. Yeah, and Matt Piper you had on. Oh, you know, Matt Piper was a lovely bloke. What an incredible story he's got to tell. And, you know, anybody who's read his book will know that. But, you know, keep it going because you're meeting some fantastic well, people. Well, I'm just, it's a joy that you've cut. I just want to say to, <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to say on my podcast, everyone, Martin's a very busy bloke and he's took his time out to be here so I appreciate him being here it's my pleasure my yeah. pleasure um, you paid good money to come and see me in Panto so I owe you I've, I enjoyed it you made me <laughs> laugh <laughs> someone had to make me laugh <laughs> right your second question how long have you been in pantomime at Leicester and Loughborough and what has been your favourite one to date oh well that's a tricky one I'll, I'll think about the favourite while I tell you I, I was here at Loughborough for 15 years with I think it was three maybe four different producers production companies because they would have um, you know a contract for three years or so so I was here for 15 years I did so many different pantos so many different styles and then at De Montfort Hall um, a decade 10 years 31 years of panto all told that's a long time which is over <laughs> I did some I did some, long num- time. I did some number crunching recently I mean it's, it's well over a thousand performances it's something like 10,000 costume changes so oh yeah and, uh, absolutely unbelievable in terms of the favourite one I mean they're all so very different um, in, obviously I play the dame for anybody who's never seen me um, if you haven't seen me you've been lucky to avoid it but um, <laughs> Widow Twanky in Aladdin is probably the favourite role um, and that Aladdin I think has got a bit of everything you know for everybody quite a bit of slapstick a lot of magic with the flying carpet and the cave scene and so on one of the best baddie roles in Abenaza. So if I had to choose one, I'd yeah. probably say Aladdin. Aladdin. Um, as a favourite, yeah. Um, in your writing, what would you say has been easy or indeed hard, and why doing it that? Do you think you may write a book at some point? Yeah, I'm trying to write a book at the moment, actually. That's... There you go. So you've obviously got an insight there. Um, yeah, I've, I've written travel features and I actually wrote a song um, for charity a few years ago as well, a long time ago now, for Children in Need. Um, I am in the process of writing a book and it won't surprise you to know that it's a book about Panto. Um, <laughs> no. You know, they always say, don't they, if you're going to start writing, first 
first time you write a book, write about something you know. And something you've done. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book about Panto at the moment, and it's about four or five chapters in, looking at the history of Panto, some of the conventions in terms of what people expect when they come to a Panto. So they will mm. expect, for instance, a goodie, a baddie. They will expect to see a slap, slapstick or slosh scene with custard pies and stuff like that. They'll expect to see what we call the ghost gag, which is, it's behind you. you know, no, that, that one, I remember that They'll one. They'll expect to see the song sheet where, you know, everybody gets to sing along at the end of the show and kids come up onto the stage from the audience, that sort of thing. All those traditions of Panto, um, as well as where Panto needs to go next, um, mm. because it has to keep evolving, because otherwise it gets left behind. And unless and less people will come as well, because yeah. they'll think, oh, it's the same thing over and over again. I think that's what... Uh, what I love about Panto is that the, for the ones I've seen you in, I mean, I haven't been to the ones at Leicester. Yep. I came to the ones mainly at Loughborough, but uh, each time I felt each time you did a different one, you 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 put a different spin on it, yep. which was good. Whereas some Pantos I think I've been to um, outside of Leicester, like the um, in Nottingham and stuff, sometimes you you just know. You, you go in there and you know what's going to happen yeah. because you know there's going to be a celebrity in there because they have to throw one into the mix for everyone to come. Whereas I like the ones like at Love Town Hall and at Leicester where, okay, there's an odd one or two celebrities in there that you may have seen something before, but it's nice that, you know, you can have a few, a few other people in it and they integrate some of the people in the local area in it. And that's yeah. what I think I, I've liked about it. But it's nice that you're going to write a book and I'll be very interested to read it when it's yeah. done well yeah so will I because it's taking a long time let me tell you <laughs> um, yeah it's difficult to focus because you said I'm, I'm doing a lot of other different things at the moment but yeah that's the plan um, as soon as it's out I'll let you know you will <laughs> right while doing your voiceover work what have you done and what have you liked or hated about it and do you have any more plans on doing that kind of work yeah um, it's 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 voice acting really um, um, everything from uh, narration I've done narration uh, you know storytelling really yeah. at um, historical places so you know when you go to um, a museum or a historical site, whether it's a castle or whatever, you might get an interactive headset that you can go and, and do a tour. Oh, I've done that at Warwick Castle. Yeah, so I've done some of those, you know, telling you the story in each of the rooms and so on, and also playing uh, some of the characters, the character voices, you know, it might be somebody down a mine or somebody yeah. in, in a kitchen or whatever. Yeah. Um, the most bizarre thing I, I've ever done was some line dancing chickens, <laughs> <laughs> which is wow. which you can still hear um, at a, 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 a children's theme park um, north of Leicester called Sundown. So if you ever right. go to Sundown, look out for the line dancing chickens and the voices <laughs> me. <laughs> but funny. yeah, I mean, the, it's it's just fun. <coughs> it's just fun to do. Yeah, and you've got to. You have got to completely use your imagination because you're going to be in a studio space with nobody else. You can't see what the attraction or the place that you're talking about looks like. You've just got to close your eyes and use your imagination. Yeah. Um, question five. What would you say has been your biggest career cha- uh, challenge and change 
um, in the whole of your career, uh, with your theatre and your radio presenting, and you're the things that you do. I think the biggest change for me, um, if you remember, I said at the very beginning that I slipped into radio, really, so that sort of evolved, so that wasn't a big change. The biggest change was taking the decision during uh, COVID, during the first lockdown, to actually leave the BBC, to actually think about, you know, doing something different. Um, Mm. But I've been there for 37 years and just decided I wanted to look at different things because... You know, I was presenting five days a week, sometimes more than that, you know, three or four hour shows. It's a hell of a chunk of your life and it doesn't allow you to do many other things. That's one of the reasons why the only acting I've ever done is panto, because I just couldn't do it while working full time at the BBC. And they were really, really kind enough to allow me to take that leave over Christmas every year to do Panto. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. But um, it just gave me an opportunity, having left the BBC, to do lots of different things. Um, and that's what I'm enjoying at the moment, because a variety of things, is it keeps you fresh, doesn't it? And also, what would you say your biggest challenge has been in your life? In my life? In your actual whole life. In I don't mean just your career, I mean your yeah. life. Um, I mean, I think every, everybody faces different challenges all the time don't they yeah Um, certainly one of the most demanding um, and I guess challenging things was you know my son who is now an actor as well by the way um, when he was born he was born prematurely so he was it was a really challenging time because he was born something like 12 weeks prematurely he was tiny. He was as big as my hand. Ah. Um, he had to be um, in an incubator and ventilated. At the same time, my wife was in intensive care. So the, both of them were in intensive care at different ends of a hospital. And at the time, like a lot of challenges like that, you just crack on with it because you have to. Yeah. And adrenaline and so on gets you through those traumatic times. Um, and it's only afterwards when you look back and you think just how much of a challenge it was. He was hospitalised, incubated and so on, and then ventilated for about six months. Um, and my wife obviously made a full recovery. She suffered from something called preeclampsia, which wasn't identified early enough. So uh, she had to have an emergency caesarean. Right. And, and the, whole, the whole thing was you know, incredibly traumatic. I yeah. think that was the most traumatic, the biggest challenge, I think, you know, that we all, as a family, had to face. Yeah. And before I ask your last question, we were just talking about um, a cha- um Was it a charity or something? Memphis, is it called? You Memphis. were going to talk to me about it. Yeah, well, like, I, I can talk to you about that because I, yeah. I, we were talking about it because I just um, hosted an event for the organisation last, last night. And it's a tremendous organisation. It's based in South Wigston on the right. other side of Leicester to you. Okay. But it, it offers all sorts of help and support uh, for people with autism, other neurodivergent um, things like that, um, yeah. dyspraxia, dyslexia, and so on and so on. Um, Memphis, mentally and physically handicapped or disabled, that's why the charity was set up in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I was hosting an event last night, and I, I, I wanted to just share a story with you, because yeah, at, at the moment what I'm doing is hosting several podcasts um, and hosting events and so on. One of the podcasts that I host is for the Curve Theatre in Leicester. Oh, right, yeah. 
So I went behind the scenes and did a, a whole podcast in the rehearsal room with all of the actors for a musical called Beautiful, the Carol King musical. Yeah. Which yeah. is fabulous. <clears throat> the leading actress in that is an actress called Molly Price Cutler. Right. And they're on tour at the moment now. She, during the course of that interview, talked to me about being what she described as neurodivergent. So I asked her to okay. explain. In her entire life, she's in her mid-twenties, I think. Yeah. She's said by her own admission that she's been different. Um, people would remark in the room that, you know, what's going on with Molly? Oh, she's doing her own thing. You know, that's what Molly does. Yeah. She'd go off into a, a, a separate part of the room and be on her own and stuff. Mm. Yeah. During COVID-19, she had all sorts of issues with mental health. It really affected her in a bad way, not coping with it, not being able to work, being isolated, all those things that we've all experienced. And so she eventually went to the doctor and went through a whole process of tests and so on, and was eventually diagnosed with autism. Right. Now, it, it was like, you know, a big weight had been taken off her shoulders because now she realized what it was, she was able to deal with it and move forward. But I think the interesting thing, she said to me two things. Firstly, she'd now signed up to um, an acting agency that only looks after neuro neurodivergent actors, which right. I think is a fabulous thing. Yeah. You might want to look into that yourself. Yes, yeah, so I'll have to look into that. But secondly, she said, you know, somebody pointed out to her that people with any of those... Um, learning difficulties, disabilities and so on, can do everything that anybody else can do. The only difference is that their brain processes everything in a slightly different way. And I think that's a good mantra to have, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but Memphis, it, look, look it up. It's M-E-N-P-H-Y-S, Memphis. Look it up on the internet. Oh, Have a look at their website and spread the word about it because I think it's really important that we talk about all sorts of um, you know disabilities learning difficulties and so on you know for those people with special needs and, and so on that we talk about it because there is so much ignorance around about yeah. autism particularly the Leicester Tigers player that I was with last night at the event is a player called Harry Wells he's got six-year-old twins uh, both boys Oscar and Theo and Oscar uh, was diagnosed with autism and Harry was talking about the issues that they've had are more with people's reaction to his son when they're out yeah, than yeah. to his son himself. Um, so it's really important to share that, talk about it, so that people understand what all of these things are. So if you're ever in a supermarket and you see a, a, a child, a boy or a girl, you know, being noisy, or you might think, first of all, that's a naughty child. But just stop yourself for a minute with your reaction. Think about it and think maybe there's something else there that you're not aware of. Don't jump to judge people. No. Um, be more understanding. Um, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, go to the Memphis website, have a look at it, and you'll find out more about all that sort of stuff there. And if you have you know, any of the uh, issues, the disabilities, the learning difficulties or special needs, or you know somebody that does, that might benefit from the help of Memphis, then have a look at the website for that. And if you can help them, it is a charity, then, you know, help them with raising money as well. Right, and my final question to you. Um, what do you see for the future in, obviously, being in the Panto and um, doing all the other things that we've talked about? Is there, is there anything big you see for the future that's coming in the next few years that's coming up? Is there anything you 
oh yes that's coming I'm going to do that um, well, I've had the opportunity to do so many amazing things um, I'm the stadium announcer at the Leicester Tigers which I love big things coming up hopefully with them that, that I'll be happy to be involved with yeah. because they're involved in all the major competitions they've got two semi-finals coming up uh, they're still involved in the European Cup I uh, absolutely love that. I've been a Tigers yeah. fan for life, so you know, big things there. I, I had the opportunity to stadium announce at the Rugby World Cup, by the way, uh-huh. which was just incredible. Um, with the podcast, I'm just hoping that it will grow. With um, the, the two podcasts, the two main ones I do anyway, uh, with Panto, I just hope to keep going uh, for as long as I can. But I'm not a young man anymore, and sooner or later, I'm very young. I'm sooner or later, I'm going to have to hang the bra up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just happy to be doing what I'm doing, Adam. To be honest, and I think I, I'm not. I've never been particularly ambitious. No. Know, um, I've never sort of thought my dream is to be on the West End stage. I'm just happy to do what I'm doing, to carry on enjoying it for as much as I can. And the other joy for me now is I mentioned my son's an actor. Yeah. Um, So watching his career progress as well, I'm hoping for big things for him because he works really hard and I think he's talented. Um, So I'm going to watch his career uh, with interest and, you know, hopefully he'll bring me a lot of joy. Yeah, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on, Martin, because, like I say, I've followed you through, obviously not every single thing you've done, but through Panto and through your radio, and I've followed you, and it's incredible all these things we've talked about that you're doing, and thank you for the information about that thing that you've given me. I shall have a look into that. Yep. And um, hopefully I shall see you in Panto yeah. this year coming up and uh, yeah. hopefully I shall see you in a lot more things hopefully uh, well I look forward to seeing you I hope you do come and see it as well but make sure you support the one here at Loughborough Town Hall as well because I, I tell do. you what we are so lucky in Leicestershire to have the number of fabulous shows that we do so you know go out and support them it's been a tricky time during Covid for theatres all over the country yeah. and now it's safe to do so and you are safe in theatres they do look after you Please go back and support the shows. Thank you so much for asking Thank me for to come coming on. on. I no appreciate problem. it. Thank you. Thank you.